This is Digital Pathology Today. Now here's your host, Dr. Joseph Anderson. As pathology continues to undergo this digital transformation, one of the missing links has been robust platforms for pathologists to interact with one another and share slides. Welcome to Digital Pathology Today. I'm Joe Anderson. Our guest is John Han Ho, an assistant professor at the University of Pittsburgh, as well as the director of Dermatopathology and the program director of the Dermatopathology Fellowship and the founder of Kiko, Knowledge In, Knowledge Out, the slide hosting and sharing platform for pathologists. Kiko and other platforms have many uses, many unexpected and even unintended, including education, Uh, sharing cases in real time, the ability to consult with other people, even storing your own cases to retrieve at a later time. It goes a long way to democratize pathology, which has been one of the key themes of this digital transformation, as well as enhancing the careers of individual pathologists by allowing them to share their knowledge and share their interesting cases. Dr. John Ho, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. I think you've had an interesting uh, career and you've been involved in a lot of interesting ventures. So you're a dermatopathologist at, at UPMC and you've been involved in launching some platforms in digital pathology with Omnix and Kiko, Knowledge In, Knowledge Out, which I like to spend a lot of time on today. So tell us tell us a little bit about what you've done. I've stayed at the same job for the, the entire career. I'm a dermatopathologist, director of Dermpath at UPMC, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, and I'm also the uh, fellowship director. And I helped launch Omnix, which was a joint venture between GE and uh, UPMC, which is, of course, uh, now part of Inspirata. A couple of years ago, founded a company called Kiko, which stands for Knowledge In, Knowledge Out, whose goal is to democratize knowledge among all doctors across the globe. Yeah, I think that's, I think, a fascinating concept. The idea of democratizing can mean many things to many people. I think, you know, geopolitically, we have a, a sense of what that means, you know, equalizing the playing field, bringing the same level of care to people, regardless of your geography. But it can also mean different things like related to training and knowledge acquisition and sharing cases, or maybe even getting some enjoyment out of, out of what we do. So I'd like to really explore that. Omnix, tell us about that. So that was a a digital platform. I believe it was around 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. And so what was the impetus for that? And how how did that evolve and grow? We saw pathology going digital, just like radiology had gone digital, you know, 15, 20 years uh, prior to that. Certainly, the technical hurdles were much more significant in pathology. You know, the images are just so much bigger. And there are, you know, many other, you know, subtle differences that can only become overcome by technology. But the timing was right. You know, storage was really cheap and the scanners were getting fast enough. And so we felt that it was the right time to bring pathology into the digital world. So we saw a world where we could sign cases out digitally, you know, from anywhere and uh, didn't have to be chained to the microscope and uh, you know where, wherever the glass slides were. And we could collaborate with each other seamlessly. And so that's the vision that we were uh, trying to build. Okay, I, I remember around that time, there was a lot of excitement around digital pathology. We all kind of knew it was the future. We were f- probably a, a ways away from remote sign out at that point, but I think there was a lot of excitement. But I, th- I think what was missing was the ability to share images or or a platform, kind of a seamless platform where you could collaborate and share images. Like, you know, we were at the point where scanning slides became easier, viewing them on your display became easier, but interacting with your colleagues and all those other benefits just didn't seem to materialize at, at that time. 
Um, so maybe uh, was that kind of the impetus around, around Kiko? I'll back up a little tiny bit and I'll kind of tell, tell an aside story. So I grew up selling computers, you know, I'd put, I'd buy computer parts together and sell, you know, install windows on them and sell them to uh, my friends and all these Apple guys, I just never could understand. Uh, you know, they, I'd be like, why are you guys so uh, ridiculous spending so much money for the same hardware, you know, three times as much hardware. And I didn't get it until I saw the iPhone. And when the iPhone first came out, you know, no buttons, nothing, everybody's making fun of it. And I took a look at the screen. It literally just blew my mind. Uh, you know, the possibilities were endless, you know, touch physics engines, and I really start to appreciate design software design, and more importantly, human computer interaction, you know, how we make things intuitive, and they just did that so well. At the same time, just started my fellowship at UPMC. You know, medical software, as you probably know from yourself, EMRs and things like that, put doctors at the bottom of their list as far as usability. And uh, I was just so frustrated with why medical software design was so poor. People just don't care about the, or didn't care about the user experience. And so I vowed when I joined Omnix to fix that. I wanted a beautiful user experience for the pathologists. I didn't really care about anybody else. I just wanted to be right for pathologists. You know, moving from one case to another, uh, uh, increasing magnification, uh, looking at slides side by side. I just wanted to get it down to as few clicks as possible and, and just make it a happy experience. I think that's so important for any medical software, especially for users who are very demanding, like, uh, you know, like physicians. We're, we're very, very picky. I thought that this was one of the main things holding digital slides back is because we didn't have this beautiful interface to interact not only with the slides, but more importantly with each other. I'll start to tell another story here. I, I came from a very, very tiny residency. I think it was uh, only two residents per year. And nothing against the attendings there, but we were very case starved. You know, you'd see a lot of routine stuff and then we'd see a great case and everybody would kind of flock to that case like it was just a little morsel of food uh, that we would all be fighting over, you know, a whole bunch of pigeons flying down for that, for that one piece of bread. You know, we would get these things from the CAP, the, the PIP, the Performance Improvement Plan. I don't even know if they still do that sort of thing. And we would just pour over those slides and pour over the, the textbooks. I think we had five or seven attendings you could call that knowledge starved. So nothing against our attendings. Again, uh, they were great attendings. And then I started a fellowship at UPMC and it was like something out of the wizard of Oz going back to the, you know, into the Emerald city, you know, you just walked in and there were all these riches everywhere, all these cases, a you know, literally a hundred attendings in the department of pathology, each, you know, only practicing their subspecialty. And so we had all these great teaching sets, all these great cases coming in, you know, day after day. And most importantly, all these incredible attendings uh, who, you know, were at the top of their fields and who wanted to make everybody else better. When you cross a demographic divide like that, I think you have a very unique perspective, you know, for somebody who grows up very poor and then ends up at uh, an Ivy League and, and comes out. They, they have a very unique perspective. And I felt like I had that perspective. 
And I thought it was just crazy that here are these guys in these cases uh, and they just want to share it with everybody else so that they make everybody else better. And they couldn't because they were all sequestered. And what a different world we can create if we could democratize all of that everywhere. You know, everybody's good at something else. And even though I'm at this academic institution, we don't see zoonotic diseases. We don't see, uh, you know, the crazy tropical infections. So much of residency, so much of training, so much of, you know, making yourself a better doctor is seeing more cases. I just thought it was crazy that in this day and age, you know, the internet was invented like 50 years ago. In this day and age, why can't we democratize this sort of thing and bring people and bring cases together so that we can all make each other better? I completely identify with what you're saying. And there's that idea of democratizing. So I think an obvious area where it applies is education. We never stop learning. So in a sense, you're on an educational journey throughout your whole career, not only in medical school and residency, but you know, throughout your your practicing career, digital platforms and what you're working on now are going to go a long way to democratizing this aspect and really leveling the playing field. Training or education, can be, like you said, can be so variable based on many factors, not only you know where you are geographically, are you in a small rural hospital with two attendings, or are you in a large academic center in the United States, you're in a different part of the world. But then not only that, once you're in an institution, you know, before digital pathology, you were in many ways dependent on, you know, your relationships with the faculty and attendings there and what cases you might be shown or what cases were selected for conferences and so on. I think there is so much, so much variability to it. So I think that that's, that's a good segue. So uh, is that what you mean by democratizing uh, pathology? Or that's one aspect of it? Yeah, so I want to democratize not only the content, but kind of alluded to, most importantly, the experts. When people say education, I feel like there's a connotation that is a one-way street, you know, from the teacher to the student. And like you said, uh, this is a lifelong thing, and, and there's always something that I can learn from somebody else, no matter what kind of background, you know, how old they are, you know, if they're a medical student or if they're, you know, a, a veteran attending. If we could create a platform where we're incentivized to share those things, you know, it makes us happy, it makes us feel good to make other people feel good, or for people to to like our content, you know, and that we can grow our reputation. I think that's very key uh, is to is to have the right incentives in place. And uh, when we scale that sort of thing, we can close the gap between those that know and those that are new whether that's a time gap or a geographic gap, ultimately our patients will benefit. Right, yeah, I like that. Closing the gap between those, you know, those, those how do you say it? You know, I don't wanna say experts and novices or teachers and students, because, you know, again, that, that kind of implies a hierarchical structure or a one-way street. You know, we just wanna put it all out there put it out in a way that's very easy to consume, that, that uh, the user experience is just, uh, you know, exquisite, pleasant. Yeah, I like that because I think people in practicing pathology can certainly identify with that, that there is a hierarchy, not only in academic academics, you know, but also once you're in practice, right, you get a challenging case and you're not quite sure or you want to cover your butt, as they say, are these two glands prostate cancer? Oh, what do I do? I need to send it to the world's expert. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, this patient's future hangs in the balance depending on the well-informed opinion of what this expert says. Oh, it's cancer because Dr. So-and-so said it's cancer. Is that going to become uh, a less prominent feature of practice, uh, really the hierarchy, or it is what it is because I says it. I said it is. So I think there, in this new world, there will be uh, many ways to earn uh, and grow your reputation. And you know, traditionally, it's by being the top researcher in that field, and and that's obviously never going to go away. Many of the smartest dermatopathologists I know are out in quote unquote private practice. Um, so I think the lines between the types of practices are blurring. I don't think we should be so arrogant as to say, you know, those in one demographic or, you know, one type of practice or another are better than anybody else. We should break down the barriers to growing your own reputation or, you know, earning your own reputation. To that end, we've created the Kiko XP score. The way you earn Kiko XP points is by your peers, your colleagues, appreciating what you've done, the content that you've put out there. No matter if it's a, you know, a simple tweet-like piece of content or if it's a highly quoted piece of literature, we think that this new world of growing your reputation based on what other people think of you uh, and what people think are, is valuable about you takes into account traditional academia but incorporates uh, so much more. So if you, if you offer great advice, you're a great practical pathologist, and you see tons of cases, uh, you, you've seen tons of different kinds of cases, uh, your input is super valuable because you have a lot of experience. You've been to war, man. You've been in the trenches. You've got battle scars. Uh, you've seen all different kinds of cases. Those are the veterans, the guys whose experience uh, is nearly unmatched. Uh, and I want to democratize that clinical experience so that pathologists can share their wisdom and pass on their knowledge to uh, the whole world. On the Kiko site, building your professional brand is is a large component of what you're doing. And I think it's it's fascinating. We're also going to air an interview with uh, Dr. Jared Gardner, a dermatopathologist and soft tissue pathologist uh, who's very big in social media. And I think the lines are blurring or there's uh, now there's coming to be a large overlap uh, in slide sharing platforms and and social media, because there certainly is that aspect to it where you're garnering comments and likes and input from your peers based on what you're doing and the expertise that you're sharing. So before we get into that, maybe let's just take a step back and talk specifically about the the Kiko platform and what that looks like and uh, you know the steps that were involved in in creating that. I wanted to. So in today's world, there's archives and and repositories everywhere of digital slides of you know medical knowledge there's two problems with it one is that they're content focused and when you're content focused you have to have a curator that has to constantly update it Uh, whether that comes from a business model or volunteer it's a heavy lift we want to make that as easy as possible for everybody on kiko we make it all about the content creator. You know, this is a term that uh, YouTubers uh, are often referred to, uh, you know, the content creator. So the lines are blurring between social media and pathology content sharing platforms. Um, the problem is content is uh, incredibly fragmented. And I don't know if you can remember before the iPod came out, 
There were lots and lots of companies that had their own proprietary formats. Uh, Sony had uh, their MP3, you know, their, their version of the MP3. There were MP3s, and then there were other, uh, you know, Vivendi, Universal. They all wanted to have their own store, you know, their own shop. That's what that's the world that we're living in now. Is we have all these uh, repositories all over the place. We have some great repositories of digital slides. We have some smaller repositories, uh, and some of them are blogs. Some of them are individuals' own. Uh, websites. But when the iPod came out and iTunes came out, it brought everything together onto one platform. So it wasn't hard to find anything anymore. And there was kind of an easy way to get to the content that you wanted to. That's what I created Kiko for was to create the platform to empower all these doctors who wanted to share their content, but wanted an easy way instead of having to set up their own website or create their own videos, you know, link, uh, link themselves on, um, onto YouTube. So, you know, you mentioned Jared Gardner, he has YouTube, he has LinkedIn, he has Instagram, he has videos, he, you know, he does teaching engagements. I want to bring all that onto one platform so that guys can, uh, guys like him, we make it easier for them to create a, a, and deliver their content. So we're, we're moving from the pre iTunes world to the post iTunes world in uh, medical content. The integration of the various platforms, I think, is a lot of times overlooked. Where we have all these great tools, and it seems like everything should be in place, but it but it's just not. You know, we need a place where we can go, open it up, and avail ourselves of all the you know all these various sources of input and be able to interact with our colleagues. So, did you find that that was sorely missing in, in the marketplace? Just a unified or integrated solution? Yeah, huge problem. Huge problem. So. If you want to put videos out, you you put you have to put your videos out on YouTube. If you want to put digital slides out, there's you know there's other platforms. Then you would have to bring them all together somehow or link them all to each other, podcasts and pictures, uh, and so it's really important that we lower the threshold to create content because world experts like Jared and like Steven Swerdlow and Raja Sethal at UPMC who are uh, you know Hempath and ENT. You know, when they walk down the hallways, knowledge, you know, just drips off of them. Just spending time, just stuff falls out of their head. You, you want to be there to, to, to kind of pick it all up and stick it in your brain. We've made content creation such a hard thing in medicine. You know, when I get a uh, notification that I'm scheduled to do grand rounds, uh, I, I don't jump for joy. You know, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't do a fist pump. I think about the three or four weekends prior to the grand rounds that I have to spend researching and more, most importantly, or most arduously, uh, creating the PowerPoint, cutting, cutting and pasting pictures and recording a video, you know, adding digital slides. Uh, you know, if it, if it were up to me, PowerPoint would be abolished because it's such a, such a chore. And, and to me, it's silly that these great minds, these great experts, you know, we should be lowering the threshold for them to share their uh, knowledge instead of uh, making the, uh, the bar so high. So we should be democratizing the time uh, that these people give because the time is so short and we should make it easier uh, for them to share, you know, and, and to share with as wide of an audience as possible. In medicine, we're doing it backwards. Uh, we make it hard for experts to share their content. And uh, we're always looking for ways to make it hard. We got to do the opposite. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that's that's a wonderful point is that putting things out there is hard. And I think in medicine, there is a bit of a higher standard for us, a higher bar. We want things to be accurate. We want it to be professional. Uh, we want to you know set a good example for those who who were teaching, who who were responsible for on the, by the same token, we want to, content is more valuable once it's shared and once it's out there, right? So we want to make it, we want to make it more accessible. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing here with this podcast. I mean, it's, it's hard, but we want to get as many episodes out there uh, to share, you know, content from people like you and other content creators really, you know, just to, to bring everyone together. So I, I think that's a, that's a wonderful point. And so Specifically, let's talk about the use cases uh, for Kiko. I think there's there's many. You know, one is we said building your professional brand. The other, another might be education, training. You know, lifelong education, but then training residents and medical students. Another might be second opinions, or maybe not so formal. But oh, here's a case in the real world from a real patient. What you know? Does anyone have any input here? You know, so I think there's a lot of use cases. So maybe could you? do you have in mind kind of what the highest and best use is, or is this going to shake out organically? And then is there any downside to that? Either patient privacy issues or people expecting too much uh, from a social platform, so to speak? So uh, I'm a, I'm a simple guy. I like to think of things in simple terms. So the use case here is that anything doctors say to each other in any form you know, whether it's formal or informal, whether it's private or whether it's public, whether it's research or whether it's just, uh, you know, hey, how you doing? This is uh, something cool that I saw. Kiko is going to be that platform. Anything that I want to say to a colleague, Jim Edinger, he was a uh, heme path, derm path fellow under me. I uh, have this tough, tough uh, skin lymphoma. And I just want to curbside him uh, or I want to show him it because it's so cool and so rare. Uh, or I have another fellow, Michael Cardis, who is at uh, um, Georgetown in uh, Washington, D.C. He just recently got an ochronosis and he's like, he was just so happy about it. He had nobody to share it with, uh, you know, and he put it on Kiko, called him. I chatted with him uh, on, uh, on Kiko and he just was just so excited about it. He just had, you know, he's busting out. He just had to share it with somebody. So in both those scenarios and, and in research, you know, I see uh, research being published on uh, Kiko one day. If you think about it, social media, you know, the likes, uh, the shares, the save to a collection, those are all types of peer review. So peer review, I think, is being reinvented on social media. So I think we'll have all sorts of different um, levels of peer review on Kiko, the most base unit being the like. Uh, we're going to get very sophisticated uh, and, and we'll have peer, you know, traditional peer-reviewed mechanisms on Kiko one day. So to answer your question, I just want this to be a place where doctors can feel comfortable talking to each other about anything uh, and everything. And we want to do it right. We don't want this to be a corporate thing. We don't want this to be a company that's snooping on you and what you say. We have uh, encryption uh, between people, you know, and their messages. We just want to make it easier for doctors to talk to each other. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Let's let's make it easy. And before we wrap up, let's bring it back kind of to one of your overarching missions is democratizing pathology. I think we talked about how you know, certainly we're democratizing uh, the educational aspects, we're democratizing, you know, the ability to share cases and interact with others, get feedback from our peers. Uh, but what does it mean worldwide uh, in terms of, 
you know, being able to elevate the profession and bring better care to patients across the globe. I always think about a few cases where they were borderline or they, you know, they were difficult cases. If I had just seen this one thing or another, uh, you know, I could have uh, made the diagnosis faster. Um, and every case is different. Half of medicine is seeing a lot of cases, uh, seeing the rare cases, seeing the cases that you don't typically see. Even if they're a rare case, you know, you want to be able to collect it and you want to be able to see more of them so that, uh, you know, you don't forget it in a year or two. We want to make all the world's cases and all the world's knowledge and all the world's doctors uh, kind of a, a real quick repository. Maybe repository isn't isn't the best word either. Uh, but we wanted this to be so collaborative, so easy uh, that you can pick anybody's brain, see uh, anybody, a a anyone's uh, cases if they've shared it, you know, literally at your fingertips or maybe at your voice if there's, you know, voice recognition. Apply, uh, you, know, you know, artificial intelligence algorithms to other people's cases to see if it works. You know, we just, we just want to open the floodgates as far as uh, uh, sharing knowledge and, and, and collaborating. And in this way, we all make each other better doctors faster. That's what I mean by democratization is that we're, we're all working together. We have all these barriers. Let's just rip them all down because we all want to make each other better to begin with. Uh, let's just rip down all the barriers and make it happen. Let's, let's make it happen. So, what it, so last question, uh, where, where do you see things going in the next 10 years? What really gets you excited? There's so much uh, that's going on. There's so much innovation in uh, medicine and, and especially in pathology uh, right now. I think the time for validating digital slides is past. Uh, I think digital slides are fairly accepted as things that we can make diagnoses off of. What I'm really excited for, and, and you know, there are some pathologists that fear uh, AI and fear computers. Um, I don't see us as being uh, slide readers. I think pathologists should be defined as uh, doctors who make diagnoses, and, and we make them in very sophisticated ways. We should welcome any new tools that make us better doctors, that, that help us uh, make diagnoses better. I can't wait to, to see what machine learning brings us. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of my upcoming fellows is a uh, machine learning uh, in dermatopathology um, expert. I just can't wait to get my hands on that code, on that, on that skill set, on that technology, uh, to apply things that can make our lives easier. Using these new tools is, is super cool, is super exciting. And also looking at the UI, the user experience for how uh, we share and collaborate with each other uh, is, is super exciting. I, I think, I, I know you're going to laugh at this. But I see us uh, collaborating online, you know, the way, vi the way people collaborate uh, in video games today. Uh, I look forward to a video game future with a lot of uh, artificial intelligence for pathologists. Okay, I, I'm with you. I think the future is indeed very bright. Our guest has been John Ho from UPMC and Kiko. We'll see you next time on Digital Pathology Today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Digital Pathology Today. Please be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.